This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Optimal Relationships Daily, episode 1142. Six Signs You're in a Toxic Relationship, part two, by Mark Manson of markmanson.net. Hello, everybody. I am your host and narrator, Greg Audino, wishing you a happy beginning of the week and thanking you for joining me today to finish up the post we began yesterday from Mark Manson. Definitely go check out part one if you haven't yet. There's so much great information in there that you really don't want to miss but we have a lot more equally great content to finish today. So let's get right to it and continue optimizing your life. Six Signs You're in a Toxic Relationship, Part 2, by Mark Manson of markmanson.net. Number four, blaming your partner for your own emotions. What is it? Let's say you're having a bad day, and your partner isn't exactly being super sympathetic or supportive about it. Maybe they've been on the phone all day with some people from work, or they got distracted when you hugged them. You want to lie around at home together and just watch a movie tonight, but your partner has plans to go out and see friends. As your frustration with your day and your partner's reaction to it increases, you find yourself lashing out for being so insensitive and callous toward you. Sure, you never asked for emotional support, but your partner should just instinctually know how to make you feel better. They should have gotten off the phone and ditched their plans based on your lousy emotional state. Why it's toxic? Blaming our partners for our emotions is selfish, and a classic example of poor maintenance of personal boundaries. When you set a precedent that your partner is responsible for how you feel at all times and vice versa, This can easily lead to a codependent relationship. Everything, even down to reading a book or watching TV, must be negotiated. When someone begins to get upset, all personal desires go out the window because now you have to make each other feel better. The biggest problem about codependent tendencies is that they breed resentment. Sure, if my girlfriend gets mad at me once in a while because she's had a miserable day and is frustrated and needs attention, that's understandable. But if it becomes an expectation that my life revolves around her emotional well-being at all times, then I'm soon going to become very bitter and even manipulative towards her feelings and desires. What to do instead? Take responsibility for your own emotions and expect your partner to be responsible for theirs in turn. There's a subtle yet important difference between being supportive of your partner and being obligated to your partner. Any sacrifices should be made by choice, and not because that's what's expected. As soon as both people in a relationship become responsible for each other's moods and downswings, it gives them both an incentive to hide their true feelings and manipulate one another. Number 5. Displays of Loving Jealousy 
What is it? Getting mad when your partner talks, touches, calls, texts, hangs out, or sneezes in the general vicinity of another person, and then proceeding to take that anger out on your partner and attempt to control their behavior. This often leads to insane behaviors, such as hacking into your partner's email account, looking through their text messages while they're in the shower, or even following them around town and showing up unannounced. Why it's toxic? It surprises me that some people describe this as some sort of display of affection, figuring incorrectly that if their partner isn't jealous, then that somehow means they don't love them enough. This is absolutely crazy. Rather than being loved enough, it's actually just controlling and manipulative. And by transmitting a message of a lack of trust in the other person, it creates unnecessary drama and discord. Worst of all, it's demeaning. If my partner cannot trust me to be around other attractive women by myself, then it implies that she believes that I am either A, a liar, or B, incapable of controlling my impulses. In either case, that's a woman I do not want to be with. What to do instead? Completely trust your partner. It's a radical idea, I know, because some jealousy is natural. But excessive jealousy and controlling behaviors are signs of your own feelings of unworthiness. And you should learn to deal with them and not force them onto those close to you. Without fixing that jealousy, you're only going to push your partner away. Number six, buying the solutions to relationship problems. What is it? Whenever a major conflict or issue comes up in a relationship, instead of solving it, you cover it up with the excitement and good feelings that come with buying something nice or going on a trip somewhere. Or worse, like getting married. My parents were experts at this one. And it got them real far. A big, fat divorce and 15 years of hardly speaking to each other since. They have both since independently told me that this was the primary problem in their marriage continuously covering up their real issues with superficial pleasures. Why it's toxic? Not only does buying stuff brush the real problem under the rug where it will always reemerge and even worse the next time, but it sets an unhealthy precedent within the relationship. This is not a gender-specific problem, but I will use the traditional gendered situation as an example. Let's imagine that whenever a woman gets angry at her boyfriend or husband, the man solves the issue by buying the woman a gift or taking her to a fancy restaurant. Not only does this give the woman unconscious incentive to find more reasons to be upset with the man, but it also gives the man absolutely no incentive to actually be accountable for the problems in the relationship. What's the result of all this? A checked out husband who feels like an ATM and an incessantly bitter woman who feels unheard. What to do instead? Deal with the problem. Trust was broken? Talk about what it will take to rebuild it. Someone feels ignored or unappreciated? Talk about ways to restore those feelings of appreciation. Communicate. There's nothing wrong with doing nice things for a significant other after a fight to show solidarity, regret, or to reaffirm the commitment. But one should never use gifts or fancy things to replace dealing with the underlying emotional issues. Gifts and trips are called luxuries for a reason. You only get to appreciate them when everything else is already good. If you use them to cover up your problems, then you will find yourself with a much bigger problem down the line. How to turn a toxic relationship into a healthy relationship. Remember that a toxic relationship is one where love is prioritized over everything else, including respect, trust, and affection for each other. 
It's more than just a rough patch. It's a recurring long-term pattern of bad behavior on one or both sides. So how do you shift these patterns in a relationship? Now, the road from a toxic relationship to a healthy one is not an easy one. I'm going to be honest, most people won't be able to do it. But there is a chance that things can change for the better. You have your work cut out for you. But if you can do the following three things, you have a shot at making it work. Both partners are willing to change. Seems pretty obvious, but if one of you isn't serious about making the relationship better, well, that's your answer. On the other hand, if you've both expressed a genuine willingness to work things out, you may proceed. Both partners recognize the lack of affection, trust, respect, and are willing to work on it. Even if you both want things to get better, you still have to admit that a problem exists and agree on what needs to be fixed. This is harder than it sounds. One person might feel they aren't trusted, and so they think that's what needs to be worked on. The other person, however, has no trust in the relationship because there is no affection. Or one person might not totally be honest about what the problem is. They don't want to be the one who says they don't trust the other person, for example. Whatever it is, you have to be clear and honest about what's keeping the relationship toxic. And both partners can communicate in a healthy way without excessive blaming or judgment. You can be willing to work on these things. You can even be on the same page about what the real problem is. But if one or both of you is out to blame the other person, it's just not going to work. It really doesn't matter whose fault it is if the goal is to move the relationship in a healthy direction. That means both people have to prioritize the relationship over their selfish desires to be right or to win. Again, fixing a toxic relationship is not an easy thing to do. But most things in life worth doing are not easy. You might also decide to end the relationship at some point, and that's okay. But if you're both willing to work on it, then it's worth the effort and the awkward conversations, and yes, even the pain. You just listened to part two of the post titled, Six Signs You're in a Toxic Relationship, by Mark Manson of markmanson.net. And some great words of wisdom in both parts one and two of this article. Thanks a lot to Mark for letting us share. I want to touch upon one of the things he mentioned from part one, actually. That being uh, this idea of holding the relationship hostage. So when I read that, I couldn't help but to think back to the last two-parter we read, actually, from Prospect Therapy on setting boundaries versus giving an ultimatum. So if we compare both these articles, it's important to understand that the idea of holding the relationship hostage is not always a bad thing. It needs to be appropriately timed and appropriately presented. I think what Mark is saying is that it's toxic to start threatening the relationship without healthily expressing boundaries and talking through concerns first, which is true. However, if you have tried to express your feelings and boundaries about something that is troublesome for you in the relationship, and these efforts have been ignored, at that point, we might offer an ultimatum which can often be saying that a certain change needs to happen if the relationship is to continue. In this case, holding the relationship hostage, if you will, can be okay, because beforehand there's an effort to be forgiving, vulnerable, and work together. So, that will bring us to the end, everyone. Thanks so much for being here and listening to both parts of this post. I really enjoyed this one, and I hope you did too. And as always, I hope you'll come back again tomorrow for the Tuesday show. That's where your optimal life awaits.